book of Acts, the 11th chapter, and the 26th verse, and the latter part of the 26th verse. The latter part of the 26th verse of the book of Acts. We read these words. And the disciples, now the word disciple means learner, or follower, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Now Paul and Silas had been in Antioch preaching for many months. They'd been holding evangelistic crusades, getting hundreds of people to receive Christ. They'd established a great church. And in derision, the people round about them began to call them Christ ones, Christ followers, Christians. That's where the word Christian was first coined. Followers of Jesus Christ. Now tonight I want to speak on the subject how to live the Christian life. How to live the Christian life. Now there are many of you that have a strong desire to live the Christian life. You want to be a Christian. You want to live the Christian life. But you've never learned how to live the Christian life. Now you've been told that you ought to be a Christian. You've been told that you should live the Christian life, but you've never been told how. I heard about a lady that said that she had a wonderful pastor. She said, my pastor's a wonderful minister and he's a wonderful pastor and we all love him at the church. But for the life of me, I cannot figure out what he wants us to do. Well, tonight, I want us to see something about living the Christian life. But first of all, first of all, I want us to see what is a Christian. What is a follower of Jesus Christ? Oh, there are many people that have an idea that if you're born in a Christian country, that you're a Christian. Many people have an idea if you have Christian parents, you're automatically a Christian. But the Bible says you cannot inherit Christianity. It's not by flesh and blood, nor the will of man. There is nothing that you can do to automatically make yourself acceptable to the kingdom of God. You can go to church. You can live a decent life. You can be a good, moral, virtuous person. But that does not make you a Christian. You can have uh, Christian characteristics. But that doesn't make you a Christian. There are thousands of people in America tonight that think they're Christian. But in actuality, they are not Christian in the narrowest sense of the term. They've never been born again. They've never received Christ into their hearts. And if they died, they would not go to heaven. Now a Christian is a person that has had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. A Christian is a person that has made a decision for accepting Christ as Savior and Lord. You've accepted Him. You've committed your life to Him. Now the first thing is a Christian is a person that has made a choice. You've made a decision. You've had an encounter with the living God. You've received Christ into your heart. That is the first step in being a Christian. Has that happened to you? Has there come a moment in your life when you repented of your sins? When you acknowledged that you were a sinner? When you said, oh God, I'm willing to turn from my sins? And then by faith, you received Christ as your Lord and Savior? Now that's the starting point. Oh, there are many people that are trying to live the Christian life, but Christ doesn't live in their heart. Because a Christian is a person in whom Christ dwells. 
The moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and gives you a new moral nature. And you have power and you have strength to live the Christian life. Now, no one can live the Christian life until first he's been to the cross and received Christ as Savior. Christ died on the cross. Christ shed his blood for our sins. But you must come and receive Christ. That is an act of your will. Intellectually, you say, yes, I believe. But that's not enough. Emotionally, you might have had an emotional experience, but that's not enough. By your will, you must say, I will receive Christ. I will give my life to Christ. But then, after that, something else must take place. The second thing is, a change must take place in your life. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. There must be a definite change in the way you live. A change in your attitude. A change in your attitude toward God. You must love God supremely. You must put God first in all the choices and decisions of your life. There must be a change in your attitude toward yourself. No longer are you egocentric. No longer are you selfish. No longer is everything done just for self and to please self. There must also be a change in your attitude toward your neighbor. You must love your neighbor as yourself. And so there must be a change in your life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And if there is no evidence of a change in your life, then you better check up to see whether you're really a Christian or not. Because if your life hasn't been changed, if you're not bearing the fruit that God gives you when you come to Christ, then you better start doubting whether you really met Christ or not. Because the child of God, a change has taken place. Jesus said, by their fruits shall ye know them. By their fruits. What are the fruits? The fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and long-suffering and all the others. Are you living the Christian life? Have you given yourself to Jesus Christ? Do you know that you've had this encounter with Him and has a change taken place in the way you live and in your attitudes? If not, you may not be a Christian. You may be living in a fool's paradise. You may think that you're a Christian, but you're not. Because a Christian is a person that has received Christ and a change has taken place in the way he lives. Thirdly, a Christian is a person that has accepted a challenge. The challenge of Christ. Christ said, if any man will come after me, let him deny self, take up his cross and follow me. Jesus Christ also offers a challenge. He says, unless you're willing to accept my challenge and to live for me, you cannot be my follower. Oh, in our churches today, we're busy building astronomical figures to turn in our reports and all of that is fine and good, but Jesus was busy eliminating people. Every time a crowd collected around Jesus and the crowd got too big, he said, wait a minute. He said, if you're going to follow me, you'll have to deny self. That eliminated one crowd. Then if the crowd was still too big, he'd say, if you're going to follow me, you'll have to take up a cross and follow me. Well, that eliminated most of the rest of them because they didn't want to go to the cross. The cross was the electric chair. The cross was the gallows in that day. And Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you'll have to take up your electric chair. You'll have to take up your place of execution. The unpopularity that comes with following me. And most people are not willing to do that. 
Most people are not willing to take their stand for Christ. Most people are not willing to stand up and be counted when it comes to surrendering to Christ. I ask you tonight, are you sure that you're a Christian? Are you sure that your sins are forgiven? Are you sure if you died you'd go to heaven? Are you sure that you're ready to meet God? In the strictest sense of the term, I ask you tonight, are you a Christian? Are you sure of it? And just believing in Christ is not enough. The Bible says the devil believes in Christ. Just saying he's a wonderful person is not enough. Just going to Sunday dinner at the church is not enough. You must, by an act of your will, say, I will receive him as my own Savior and Lord. Have you done that? He's the bridegroom, we're the bride. But now there comes the years of following Christ and living for Christ. And if you want to grow, you must follow certain rules. To grow in Christ. Now the Bible teaches that you start out, after you receive Christ, you start out as a tiny baby. Just a tiny little baby. You're not a full-grown Christian. You walk in church on Sunday morning after receiving Christ, and sometimes some of the Christians will say, I wonder if he's going to last. Wonder if the poor little thing will hold out. You shouldn't do that. You should welcome these new people and love them and encourage them and help them that they might grow. You're supposed to grow, but here's the tragedy in the Christian church today, that terrible tragedy. When my little boy said his first words, he said, Dad, Dad. At least I think that's what he said. I, I was told that's what he was saying. Dad, Dad. We were thrilled to death. He had learned to talk. Dad, Dad. But suppose 20 years from now, he would still come up to me and say, Dad, Dad. There'd be something wrong. And yet there are many of you that same way. You haven't grown a bit. You're still going around after 20 years of being a Christian saying, Dad, Dad. You've been stunted. You haven't grown. You go to a prayer meeting. And the minister says, well, let's everybody say a verse around. Somebody says, John 3, 16. You say, oh, she got my verse. That's all you knew. You haven't learned the Bible. And if somebody calls on you to pray, you say, well, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I can't pray. And yet you claim to be a Christian. The Christian life is one of growth. We start out as children and we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Now some quick rules. First, the first rule is one in prayer. We have to spend time every day in prayer. The disciples came up to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now you have to learn to walk, don't you? You have to learn to ride a bicycle, don't you? You learn to ride a horse? All right, you have to learn to pray. You learn to pray in the same way. Lord, teach us to pray. Now remember, in living this Christian life, you don't have to live it alone. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The moment you receive Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you to give you the power, the strength, the wisdom, the courage to live the Christian life. Now the Holy Spirit also helps in your prayer life. 
The scripture says, likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit helps you to pray. Now, may I make a suggestion? There are so many people that say, well, I don't feel like praying. I only pray when I feel like it. Then you're wrong. You should have a definite time and place every day to pray. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a convenient way to get more energy throughout my day. I hop out of bed in the morning, drink my AG1, and I'm absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to get me ready for the day. I'm always on the go and love traveling with my AG1 because I don't have to worry about throwing my nutrition out of balance, no matter where I am. And I don't have to carry a medicine cabinet of pills and supplements in my suitcase to get the same benefits I get from one scoop of AG1 daily. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash buzz. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash buzz to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. You have an appointment, you have an interview with Almighty God. Well, every day, God, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, is waiting he has given you an audience at any time of the day and you fail to keep your appointment. Have a definite time that you set aside and pray when you least feel like it. The will is involved here too. You say, I don't feel like it. All right, your, your emotion, your body says, I don't feel like it. My mind says, I don't feel like praying. My will makes me go and spend time in prayer because prayer is work. Prayer is work. And many times you make yourself keep your appointment with God and out of some of those moments come your most precious moments and some of your greatest answers to prayer. And then the second thing is reading the Bible. Now the purpose of the Bible is to testify of Jesus Christ. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation points to Christ. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The Bible says, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now the Bible says that not only do we grow physically, but down inside of you is a soul. Physically you have eyes and ears and nose and hands and feet, but living inside of you is your personality, your soul, your mind, your memory. Your personality, that is your soul, that is your spirit. Now, if you spend all of your time on your physical development, most of you look like you've eaten three pretty good meals today. You haven't neglected eating today, have you? You didn't neglect dressing, looking in the mirror, taking care of your physical needs, but what about your spiritual needs? You've taken care of your physical needs today, but none for the soul. And the soul is going to live forever. The body dies and goes to the grave, but the soul lives on. And you've spent all your time feeding your body, but none for the soul. Now, how do you feed the soul? What is the food you give to the soul? It is reading the Bible, the Word of God. And I don't care who you are. You cannot live a victorious life if you neglect Bible reading and Bible study. 
Every time a person comes to me and says, I'm not getting my prayers answered, I have no victory in my life, I have no joy in my life, I don't have the peace in my life that I know I should have as a Christian, I ask them one question, are you reading your Bible daily and studying your Bible? Usually the answer, they bow their head and say, no, not very much. God has a message for you in this book. Read it, study it, meditate on it. Now here's how to read the Bible. Read it reverently. It's an interview with Almighty God. Read it with expectancy. Come to the Bible expecting God to speak to you. And read till He does speak to you. Now maybe you'll only read one verse. Meditate on that verse. Maybe you'll read a whole chapter. Meditate on that chapter. Come with expectancy that every time you open the Scriptures, God has a message for you. And then read it with dependence. The Holy Spirit inspired the writing of this book, and the Holy Spirit can interpret this book to you. And I have come to many points in the Bible that I did not understand, and I would get on my knees and i say, Lord, show it to me. And I found the meaning of that passage on my knees by the Holy Spirit. And then take adequate, adequate time with the Bible. Don't just read a verse and do it as a duty and as a ritual and close the Bible. Take time. Take 15, 20, 30 minutes. And you ought to do it every morning. Before you leave your room in the morning or before you leave the house, spend a half an hour in prayer and Bible study and Bible reading and I'll tell you the day will go totally different. You'll be walking on air. There will be a joy in your soul. There'll be a spring in your step. There'll be a smile on your face. There'll be a total different attitude toward life if you will get in the habit of reading your Bible and spending time in prayer every morning. And then thirdly, if you're going to live the Christian life, there must be discipline in your life. It's a way of discipline. The Christian life is a way of renunciation and hardship. Jesus said, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. The Bible tells us that a Christian is a soldier who must suffer hardship. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, said Paul to Timothy. The Christian is likened to a boxer who masters his own body and practices self-restraint. And all the way through the New Testament, you'll read words like this describing the Christian life. Fight, wrestle, run, work, suffer, endure, resist, agonize, put to death. All of these are New Testament words describing the Christian life. It is to be a disciplined life. We have to discipline our minds, the things that we read, the things that we think. No evil thoughts are to come into our minds, and if they do, they are to be expelled immediately. Our minds are to be disciplined so that we don't spend our time reading trash and literature that does not develop the mind and develop the soul or watching the wrong types of television programs. We don't throw our time away. We don't let our minds run idle. Our minds are disciplined. Our tongues are disciplined too. We say, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Our time is disciplined. We redeem the time because the days are evil. These little minutes, though, these little bits of jewel that God gives us every day, these little jewels, 
They can never be recalled. They have to be dedicated to Christ. This body of mine is the temple of the Holy Spirit which is in me. The Bible says that with my body there is to be self-control. Self-control. Meekness. Blessed are the meek, said Jesus. That's what meekness means. It means temperance, self-control. I'm to live a disciplined life. Oh, today how little discipline we have in the way we live. How little discipline we have in our Christian experience and our Christian lives. And that's the reason thousands of Christians are failing. There is no discipline. There must be discipline. And then next in the Christian life, there is the church. The Christian fellowship is not optional, it's essential. It's commanded. We are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible teaches that the church is like a vine with its many branches. It's like living stones built together, members of the body of Christ all knit together. Now the church may have its local churches. Well, you say, I'm a member of the great universal church, but I'm not a member of any local church or assembly. We have the great church, the body of Christ, but it has its local branches all over. And one may be called Lutheran, one may be Baptist, one may be Presbyterian, whatever the name may be. If it's a place where Christ is preached, if it's a place where Christ is exalted, we are to go there and give it everything we have in the work of the church. The church is to worship together. It's a place where we give our tithes and offerings to the work of the Lord. And I want to tell you, you cannot live a victorious Christian life and have the peace and the joy in your heart without faithfulness in the church. Stand with your church. And then last of all, the Christian is to witness for Christ. Now, how do you witness? You witness by the way you live. The smile, the courtesy, the thoughtfulness, the graciousness. You're witnessing for Christ. And if you live a changed life in which Christ is living in you and radiating out through you, other people will be attracted to you and they'll say, what's your secret? And you'll say, I know Jesus Christ. And you have an opportunity to witness for Christ. Witness in the home. Witness in your daily work. We are not to be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We are to witness by the way we perform our work. We are to work faithfully. If you're a worker in a factory, you're to do it faithfully. As unto the Lord, you don't work just for the employer. You don't work just for the union to make them happy. You work for the Lord. If you're an employee, you work for Christ. He is the one that you're responsible to if you're a Christian. The Bible says that Christians are pilgrims here. We're ambassadors for Christ. The Bible says we're a peculiar people, set apart unto Christ. And we're to be shining witnesses in a perverse and wicked generation. All around we see lying and hypocrisy and dishonesty and lust. And we see worldliness on every side, men taken up with materialism. Oh, give your life to Jesus Christ and let him live in you and be a shining witness for Christ become salt in your community.
become a light in your community. Let the people know where you stand for Christ. Live a clean and honest and pure and wholesome life. How many people claim to be Christians, but they don't have any peace in their life? There's no joy. There's no love in their life. There's no walk with Christ. There's no thrill. They get angry quickly. They're sensitive. They're jealous. They're filled with pride. I tell you, the Christian life was never meant to be that way. Give your life to Christ and make sure that He lives in your heart.